Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. And we are live with the Standing Room Spartans podcast. Your host, Kevin Parker, your co-host, Scott Martin, here on a Friday morning. As we mentioned earlier, uh, earlier this week or last week, I don't remember now. We are doing twice a week through the rest of spring ball to make sure that we get a chance to get through all of the positions as we're kind of previewing spring practice and the spring game here with uh, going through all the positions on the roster in order to do that before the spring game, we got to do twice a week. We're going to try to get these up on Thursday. We had some scheduling stuff come up this week, so we got a Friday release here. But this will take you into the weekend, uh, into a Sweet 16 weekend here. Unfortunately, one that Michigan State will not be a part of. Scott uh, got taken down by Coach K. The, the run ended. Not a great Michigan State team at the end of the day, like, I think we gave it our best shot there, but uh, you know, what was your situation? How were you watching the Duke game, and uh, and how'd you feel coming out of it? I had my uh, typical spot on the end of my couch in my living room, and the typical ball of nerves that I was, especially in a big game like playing Duke. And uh, yeah, I mean, I think it was uh, best case scenario, just short of uh, pulling off the upset. Obviously, the guys played hard. You never know what Michigan State team you're going to get any given game day and the better version of our Michigan state team this year showed up. Uh, they didn't play a lot of games with that kind of intensity this year that they didn't come out with the W, but at the end of the day, Duke had just the talent, the size advantage at just about every position. Um, and, uh, yeah, at the end of the day, they just made the plays down the stretch, which is what winning teams championship teams do. So I think, like I said, it was the best version of, of this Michigan State team that showed up. It just uh, this year's team, like you said, wasn't uh, wasn't one of the greats. Um, I think they definitely showed kind of their potential really come to fruition at the end of the year, which is always what you want to see, um, but always was kind of a flawed, a flawed team uh, throughout the year, which we saw. Uh, but you can't help but be proud of the guys. You know, the seniors went out. They clearly – really stepped up, took this seriously. Joey Hauser with a breakout game in the round of 64, uh, kind of a, a nice completion to his character arc. If he doesn't return to MSU, Marcus Bingham, you could see something in the last five or so games that really ignited in him. He really turned into one of those senior leaders and you could see it in the way that he was approaching his teammates in the tournaments. Um, yeah, it was, it was a great run. It would have been great. It would have been so sweet to have that, uh, that last, coach k loss um 
to hand him his last loss, but uh, Destiny didn't have it in the cards. I wouldn't hate seeing him go down to UNC in the Final Four. That would be, as in terms of the most painful way for him to end his career, that would certainly be it, to be on the doorstep of a fairy tale championship and go down to your rival in the Final Four. But uh, we'll see what happens. I was, uh, I was listening to the Green Light podcast. It's with uh, former NFL player Chris Long. It's one of my favorite podcasts out there right now. I, I will recommend it. But they were talking about... <laughs> They're him and his co-host. They're they're Virginia guys. They're ACC guys, so they obviously hate Coach K as well. And they were running through the list of like what would be the best way for Coach K to lose, and that that was the one that they came up with. Was it was kind of one of those where you you don't really realize it until you take like a second look at the bracket. And you're like, wait a second. <laughs> this could happen and and that would be that would be a pretty sweet way if michigan state's not going to end them uh unc ending it would be pretty sweet but yeah that it was a tough one to swallow like just yeah. i hate i'm i'm not going to blame the refs because i think a lot of people put the the officiating in a situation where it's like if this 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 and this call went we would have won the game and I'm still not sure that that's true. Maybe it would have put us in a better position, but we still would have had to make X amount of plays and Duke would have still had to make X amount of plays. And I, I just don't know if we were ultimately capable of it. However, the officiating went. So it was, it was a tough one to swallow though. That was one that kept me up for for a few extra hours that night just kind of laying there like damn we were so close this team was so close to that upset but unfortunately the the march run ends for michigan state the rest of the ncaa tournament marches on we've got sweet 16 action tipping off in like an hour and a half here as we're recording on thursday night uh we've got uh uh Villanova, we are the biggest Villanova fans in the world as we currently stand, okay. and uh, yeah, should be a good good weekend of basketball. I always like um, I always like the Sweet Sixteen because it's it's a bunch of you get the two games on at once, and it's it's usually two really good games. Uh, obviously, the first weekend of March Madness is unrivaled, but uh, yeah, we've got the the bracket challenge. Scott, you want to update the people on how that's going? I sure do but only because I'm in first. Um, I won the, I won the bowl pick them. You guys got to, got to step it up. I'm, I'm tied for first right now with one and only 22 um, who has Purdue as their champion, a big 10 holdout. Uh, and Danny Myers and his seventh bracket, Danny Myers seven also at 430 points. One and only 22 <laughs> have the, the backdoor lead with the highest max points at 1550. I got 1390 and Danny's got 1030. Um, so it's going to come down to these last few weekends, which is always fun. There's a lot of guys and girls in the top few spots, uh, just in the top 10 are all within 20 points. So that's not even one sweet 16 matchup, you know, that's half a matchup. So there are a lot of brackets still in this thing. It's going to be fun to watch. Lots of champs that are still in the running. Actually, almost everyone's champ is still in the running. I have Houston, which I felt like there would have been somebody else out there that kind of keyed on them. They played hot down the stretch. They got a lot of high scores. They play great ball. I know they're in a weaker conference, but I liked them from the start. 
and uh, and they're still in it. We'll see. I think they play tonight uh, against uh, who did they play tonight? Anyway, I'm sure everybody listening already knows. But yeah, it's going to be a fun one. <laughs> As uh, to remind you guys, if you win, you either get to come on the podcast for an episode. If you're not comfortable with that, you can make it just a quick segment. We can go through something fun for 10 minutes. Or if you don't even want to do that, uh, you can just pick the the subject for us. You can give us a prompt. You can give us a topic. You can give us a few different questions to go through. Whatever you guys want. Um that's what the winner gets. So we'd love to have somebody on here. I don't think we've ever had a fan. We've had some friends on here, but I don't think we've ever brought a fan on the pod. So you could be the first. It'd be a great honor. We would give you some kind of virtual plaque that we found on the internet uh, that you could hang on your <laughs> virtual bedroom wall. You can, you can pin it on your Twitter profile or something. There you go. Uh, so yeah, the, the March Madness marches on here. And if you are looking to get in, if you haven't joined the Bracket Challenge, maybe you were one of the people who it slipped your mind and you never got in, DraftKings is there for you. If you are a college basketball fan, all you need to do is bet $5 on any team to win and get $200 in free bets if they do. It's that simple. If they win, you win. If the sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still join the College Hoops action with DraftKings Pools. Everyone can play free pools all March long for a shot at a share of over $250,000 in prizes. Just join the pool. You have prop questions. Who will make the most three-pointers? Who will advance to the next round and track your results? Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TPPN for the Pigskin Podcast Network, of which we're a proud member. Bet $5 on any college hoops team to win. Get $200 in free bets. If they do, you win. If they win, you win. I always mess that up. TPPN promo code this week at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older. Restrictions apply. See the show notes for details. Um, Elsewhere in the sports world, Scott, before we get to our wide receivers and tight ends, the NFL offseason, look, like this is a college football podcast. This is a Michigan State football podcast. But we're sports fans. And the NFL offseason has been bananas. And I I just kept, I was listening to some podcasts. We just had this Tyreek Hill trade and it's just going absolutely nuts. And I started thinking, you know, we got the transfer portal. We've got these salary, like we've got NIL. And I kept thinking like, what if college football had trades? And I, I don't think it's ever going to happen, but I could, if, if you told me you time traveled and 20 years into the future, uh, kids were getting paid directly by the universities. It wasn't only NIL anymore. And the first college football player just got traded. I wouldn't be totally shocked. I mean, nothing in college football would really shock me anymore. There are certainly things that would surprise me. That would be one of them, but I wouldn't be just completely shocked. It would be like, yeah, I mean, it's kind of heading to like this professional model. So why not imagine, at a certain point? Can you imagine trading a kid to a different college and then telling him he still had to go to class? <laughs> like, hey, I know we just pulled you out of your dream school, your dream major, you're studying under some famous <laughs> professor, but uh, now you're just going to go get a comms degree and uh, you got to go like, to class. North- 
Northwestern trades a kid to like Alabama. <laughs> He's like, uh, guys, I actually cared about my education. Like, <laughs> is there a way yeah. I can still take classes there, like online or something? What? <laughs> For the record, before we dive into this, we are not at all endorsing this because it is a horrible idea in terms of like student <laughs> athlete welfare. Um, it would completely take their future out of their hands. But uh, but it's fun to think. Well, about. you st- so- would you still get the would you still get the one year transfer thing where you could just get traded and then be like, yeah, I'm just going to transfer back anyway. <laughs> I mean, that's pretty much like an so, NFL holdout, right? Like you're, you're on contract, but you don't want to exactly. play there anymore. So, well, I'm just going to sit out the year and you can trade me or not, but. Right. Or you can recruit kids with the no trade clause now or something. <laughs> no I don't transfer know. But, clause. Yeah, I was, <laughs> I was starting to think about it and you know, I was like, okay, it, it's kind of an exercise in what position groups are the strongest and the weakest. But I was like, if we could put together one trade for Michigan State and not looking at some specific player on another team, I don't need names or anything, but, you know, what position group could we afford to lose a guy? What position group would we like to gain? And uh, I put it out on Twitter. Our guy, TJ, uh, the doc who has been on the podcast a couple of times before, um, he gave a good example here that for some reason my Twitter isn't loading, but he was looking at uh, a, a trade where you potentially could give away a couple of younger players. So the the idea here was he wanted a proven offensive tackle with multiple years of eligibility left, and he would be willing to give up some offensive assets. So Jeremy Bernard, maybe a defensive tackle or linebacker, uh, since we're deep at those groups, maybe throw in Hamp Faye if someone wants him. That was an interesting kind of throw in there. But yeah, like what kind of trades could we put together? So Scott, I will bring it to you first. I have one in mind. I'm sure you have one in mind. And then we'll uh, move on to the receivers and tight ends. Yeah, we're going to we're gonna take this thought experiment before we dive into players. We'll just Let's just lay this out a little bit. So first of all, you got to establish, are you a buyer or are you a seller, right? Are you trying to bank up youngsters with potential with talent who you can build around or are you trying to win right now and especially in the college game i hate to put too much emphasis on quarterbacks but it's a quarterback sport these days who's your quarterback and how long has he got you're looking at michigan state peyton thorn you can probably budget two years two more years around peyton thorn right he technically could stay for three but i think two years is probably a pretty realistic timeline so you're looking at a kid who if you're looking at bringing guys in, who's going to probably supplement Peyton Thorne to push for big 10 championship in the next two years. If the, if I'm Mel Tucker, that's what I'm going for, right? You get a new national championship conversation, all the better. But I think right now, if as you look at Peyton Thorne and the remainder of his time at MSU, I would say the most realistic target in that time frame would be to win a big 10 championship. And I think that would make Michigan state buyers in the next two years, but not, as desperate of buyers as some schools might be because Mel Tucker still got a long leash. We're still growing. We're still building the momentum of the program. So you can't give up all your future stars, but now you take that to, all right, where do we have assets? TJ mentioned Jeremy Bernard. I certainly think wide receiver being a skilled position. We we have an abundance of them right now, both younger and older. Um, And I think our other strength is at safety right now, just in terms of depth pieces that you could move around without dramatically impacting your product on the field. Um, So yeah, I think we're buyers. 
I think you got to improve the ends of both lines. Just like TJ said, you're looking for a tackle or you're looking for a bona fide pass rusher who's going to walk in and put up potentially at least 10 sacks in the year. Um, so that's where I'd look. I don't know if you could get two pieces to a starting defensive end and a starting tackle. Um, given how much I think this season depends on offensive line play, I'd probably lean towards a tackle over a defensive end, just like TJ said. So I think my trade would be very similar to what he said. I think I'd first and foremost target an offensive tackle uh, and, and I would use that depth at safety and at wide receiver first. I think though, where he said Jerby and Bernard, I think, like I said, you'd still want to keep some of those future stars around. And I think you'd be looking at the guys who maybe are starting to get lost in the mix, but still have some time. So a guy like Montori Foster or Terry Lockett, right? They're kind of that same spot on the field. They're kind of that second rung receiver on your team right now, but they've lost a couple of years of eligibility already. And they're looking to make an impact now. And if it's not going to happen in the next two years at Michigan state, they might already be transferring anyway, right? Kind of look at a player who's coming in to, to take it to the NFL, a player who's coming close to the end of his contract. You're not really sure if you want to re-sign him. You're not really sure you're going to have room for him, get him somewhere where he can go prove himself and earn a contract elsewhere. Um, so same thing at safety. You know, who are those safeties who we've been kind of holding in the mix for a while, but maybe are going to get passed up uh, by some of the youngsters and there's not too many on the safety side. It's either very experienced or very youngster. You've got Henderson gross and snow who I think other than maybe Angelo gross are pretty untouchable. And then you've got youngsters you want to see through like Jaden Mangum and Dylan Tatum and uh, even like an AJ Kirk. So um, yeah, I think that's what I'm looking at using those depth skill position pieces uh, to bring in either a tackle or an end who can play with Thorne for the next couple of years. Yeah, I I went through a couple different. I I like the idea that I like the path you're headed down there. Um, I went down a couple different paths because, like you said, I it it kind of depends on on how you view the roster and and what kind of things you're valuing and everything. And um, I I'm kind of along the same path there. The thing for me is um, it's it's a slight adjustment because. You actually mentioned the position group that I would be looking to move from. And we've talked many times on the podcast about how we have three safeties who are all kind of the same player, or at least a very similar player. And uh, it's just really hard to get all three of them on the same on the field at the same time effectively. So I you know, you're thinking, okay, Xavier Henderson is a surefire power five starter, uh, but he's only got a year of eligibility left. So I don't know exactly where that would put his value. And he's, he's such a leader on the team that I, I just think you couldn't trade him away. That would be tough for the locker room. Darius snow. He kind of seems like the fan favorite and a, a guy that the, the players in the locker room really like. I don't know if you could get rid of him, especially with some of the branding stuff that he brings to the table. Like there's some added value in that. So I'm looking at Angelo Gross. Unfortunately, I love Angelo Gross as a player. Don't take me, don't, don't get me wrong here. 
but just because it's it's tough to get him on the field when you have Xavier Henderson and Darius Snow playing that similar kind of box nickel close to the line of scrimmage safety role. So I'm looking at Angelo Gross, a guy who started as a true freshman and played really well, played well as a sophomore for, for a good portion of the season. I think teams would be really interested in what he brings to the table. <clears throat> so give me Angelo Gross. And the other guy I was willing to move on from just because I think there would be some value there because he's a young uh, up and coming player with, you know, a pretty big recruiting profile, uh, but at a pretty deep position group and somebody who entered the portal recently, but Ma Nauteote, uh, I think would have some value there. So give me package those two up two potential defensive starters, two guys with a lot of eligibility remaining. And go and get me a starting edge guy, like you said, a, a really bona fide, like stud pass rusher. Now, you know, I'm not saying those two packaged up could go get you Chase Young or something, but I think it could get you uh, a guy like a Xavier or a, like a Jacob Panishuk plus, right? Maybe not quite to the production level of Kenny Willikis, but somebody that was a little more productive than a Jacob Panishuk somewhere in that middle ground there where you're really happy about having him as a starting edge player. That was kind of where I was looking. It's a position we really need to fill. And uh, two guys that I think are a little more dispensable Two two positions that I think we could really, um, we could afford to move on from somebody, uh, somebody young. So interesting thought experiment there kind of uh, plays into, to what we're going to get into. Yeah. I think when you look at those safeties, gross, does have some value there. Um, very athletic guy. Maybe a little undersized also compared to the rest of the roster we've got. Um, yeah, and as I went through this, I, I was thinking too, kind of on the other side of the table, how would different types of programs view this opportunity? And I was thinking of like, like a group of five school who had a stud, but the rest of their team just totally stunk. Like Jacoby Winman at UNLV, right? where you know there's a risk he's going to get the heck out and find greener pastures where he can get more attention and uh, and play for a better school. Do you ever consider getting rid of a guy like that to bring in three, four pieces who could potentially start on your team the next year um, who maybe are in the bottom of a roster like Michigan State's, right? If, if you can give us Jacoby Winman and get you know, a freshman safety, a sophomore wide receiver, and a couple more pieces, depth pieces that could walk in and compete for snaps day one. Like, but at the same time, he's like your star, right? I mean, you mentioned you can't get rid of a guy like Xavier Henderson, but when there's that much value to a program like that and you find a diamond in the rough in recruiting and he he builds that kind of value, would an athletic program consider getting rid of a guy that's that important to their team? So if you're yeah, the I mean, director, we could do a, assuming that's who would, would be <laughs> making those calls, what would you do? Yeah, we could do a whole episode on this. I I you could yeah. go down so many rabbit holes. Um I mean, yeah, you'd probably you'd probably try to hang on to him, I think. You know, there's just certain things it's like when when NFL teams really hit on a draft pick and it's a late round guy and it's like you got to keep this guy around because it was your hit it was your 
Um, it was your scouting department. Is it was your talent evaluation and development. And if he goes to the league, and then suddenly that's you know that's a guy you can keep bringing back to the program and hang his jerseys all over the locker room and stuff like that. That's kind of a branding thing. So you just hope and pray that that you can keep him in the transfer portal side of it and uh and, and just hope for the best. But yeah, I would I would prefer to just kind of keep the one guy around and and uh hope for the best. Cross your fingers, I guess. And it'd be wild. You could you'd have guys like that asking for trades, you know. Well, I'm gonna transfer, but I'll let you take the first whack at this. Um you, you get like Alabama and they're like, you know, we're weak at defensive tackle this year. We're gonna go get Aaron Donald, but you can have like five four stars at Pitt. Like just take them all. They're not gonna play <laughs> right. for us. Just just shop them out. Yeah, it'd be fun. It'd be a fun thought experiment. Maybe another uh, off season episode when things are dull. We'll we'll dig this back up. Yeah, we we might have to because there's there's a bunch of rabbit holes you could go down and and looking at previous teams too of previous Michigan State teams and like what what could have been if we had traded this guy instead of you know sitting him because he was a freshman or something. Yeah, I don't know. So, anyways, the 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 main topic here uh, before we get too deep down that rabbit hole is we are kind of resetting the the wide receivers and the tight ends and we're looking going into the spring so. We will do that. We've got the wide receivers first up. Obviously, outgoing, we have Jalen Naylor. We have, and and as a reminder, I guess, before we start getting into this, if you haven't listened, make sure you go back the last two episodes. We did quarterbacks, we did running backs, and today we're going to do the pass catchers, wide receivers, tight ends. So outgoing at receiver, Jalen Naylor, obviously taking his talents to the NFL, Jazz Watts out the door, Ian Stewart and Ricky White also leaving the program via the transfer portal. Incoming, we have four recruits. We have Jeremy Bernard, the four-star out of Nevada, Antonio Gates Jr., four-star out of Dearborn Fordson, I believe was the high school, but out of the state of Michigan, Tyrell Henry and Jerron Glover. Jeremy Bernard is the only one of these four that is on campus for this spring. So if we're specifically, again, kind of targeting spring practice for this exercise here, Jeremy Bernard is on campus. The rest of them are not. And if we look at the tight end position, Connor Hayward, obviously taking his talents to the NFL. Cameron Cameron Allen, excuse me, uh, freshman from last year's class. He is transferring to SMU. Trenton Gillison exiting via the portal parks gissinger exiting via the portal bringing in one transfer daniel barker from illinois Um, he's got some real nfl talent he has one year of eligibility remaining he is not on campus right now for spring ball he will be here for fall camp michael masunas a three-star recruit not on campus for the fall jack nickel three-star recruit is on campus So of all of the incoming guys at wide receiver and tight end, Jeremy Bernard, the wide receiver, Jack Nickel, the tight end, are on campus uh, as early enrollees. And then you're looking through the depth chart, the guys who are still there. So wide receiver, obviously, Jaden Reed, Trey Mosley, Keon Coleman, Montori Foster, Christian Fitzpatrick. Terry Lockett, uh, Sebastian Brown, Cade McDonald, uh, tight ends, you've got obviously Malik Carr, Tyler Hunt, Adam Berghorst. So um, 
I want to start with the wide receivers, Scott. Um, and I actually want to start there because he's a guy we just brought up a couple of times. And I was just watching his huddle tape again uh, to kind of refresh myself. Jeremy Bernard, since we've already mentioned him, he is the one early enrollee freshman in this group. Um, do you think he's got a shot to play right away? Because we've talked about this third wide receiver position and whether it's Keon Coleman or Montori Foster, or even Christian Fitzpatrick, who's 6'4", who transferred in last year. Um, Jerby Bernard, the highest rated recruit in this group. Uh, again, I was watching his tape. Pretty special athlete. Like, What kind of shot do you give an incoming freshman who's on campus for the spring in a pretty loaded position group? Uh, but one that definitely has targets and and catches available with Jalen Naylor heading out. I do not think he will be the number three wide receiver on this team. I think the group is too busy. Um, but I do think he could have a more expanded role than, let's say, Keon Coleman last year. You know, we saw Coleman in spurts, especially later in the year. Uh, I don't know what his final snap count was for the season or final receptions. Um, I had but... it right in front of me here. So Keon Coleman, before you move on, Keon Coleman had just 87 offensive snaps all season. So we we saw the touchdown. We saw a few catches. But at the end of the day, less than 100 total snaps last year. In 13 games. I mean, that's I can't do math that quick. What is that? Like six, six snaps a game um, ish. Don't quote me. Um, yeah, so I think he'll have a bigger role than that. I think he'll be a package guy. I think he will have packages uh, in the playbook where he's on the field every time, not just sp- spelling guys. Um, he's a really dynamic player. He's got a little bit of size, a little bit of speed, great ball skills, great one-on-one ability. He can stretch the field. Um, he just he's he's a very developed player as a freshman so i do expect to see him on the field i think him being there in the spring is indicative of the fact that maybe the coaches told him not that he would be on the field but that they think if he puts in a good spring and shows what they you know some of the potential that they think he has that he'll find his way to the field uh this fall um and that may be why some of the other freshmen didn't show up i mean that's a lot of times those early enrollees, it, it's a little bit of a clue into what did the coaches tell them in terms of their progression and their development. You got to remember these kids, if they come early, they're giving up their last spring of their senior year of high school with all their friends, the, all the graduation festivities, all that fun um, to go work out and work their ass off to try to earn their spot on the field. So if they're making that sacrifice, it's because they think, there's an immediate reward that's up for grabs. I do think Jeremy Bernard's fighting for that. And we'll definitely see this spring uh, what he looks like. But yeah, I do think just using Keon Coleman as a freshman from last year that a lot of folks were excited about. I think Jeremy Bernard is is a little bit more developed at this point in the game and, and ready to make a difference. Different prospects too. Uh, Keon's a lot bigger, plays a different type of wide receiver. Um, but yeah, I do think he'll be right there on the field in the mix. Yeah, and I think we forget about that sometimes, the that factor in the early enrollee decision. And the other thing I, you know, you think about some of these guys who are are enrolling early and and a guy like Jeremy Bernard, he's going from Nevada to Michigan in early March. You know what I mean? Like that's that's a decision in itself. Jack Nickel from Georgia, right? It's like, uh, you know, some of these guys are in for a quick wake-up call when it comes to, uh, 
you know, who's who's walking in the door early in the in the uh, early in the spring, quote unquote, spring weather in Michigan. So, um, yeah, you got to remember that. Right. And and sometimes you you take note of a guy because he en- enrolled early and you think, well, he's he's going to play right away. But um, it, it's a tough decision to make for these guys and and their families and and leaving behind all of that, because that second semester of your senior year, man it's a blast. You're, you're already accepted to whatever college you're going to. Uh, ideally uh, for me, it wasn't until spring break, but I had to wait around a little bit for Michigan state. I was waitlisted, but, um, most of the semester, right. You're already deciding on your college. You're, you're already kind of packed up, ready to go. And all you need to do is not fail the classes that are still in front of you you know, you're, you're out partying, you're, you're drinking cheap alcohol with your buddies on the weekends. Like it's, it's a blast. And so missing out on all of that, like you said, just go work out. It's, it's a commitment. And I give these kids a lot of credit that make that decision to do that. So anyways, getting, getting back to, to what we're talking about here, the wide receivers, uh, the news Keon Coleman obviously was on the basketball team. He is already in the facility working on his, his football game now. It, and that's an interesting note, I guess, you know, I don't want to give him like too, too much credit. I think people on Twitter are already doing that, but there is something to be said about these dual sport athletes. And you, you kind of wonder in the back of your head, like as a football podcast and as football fans, first and foremost, like, all right, how committed are you to, to being the best football player you can be, right? And not just being the best athlete you can be. And uh, I think that kind of answers the question, right? He's he's not even really taking more than a couple days off. I'm I I would bet money that he had a conversation with Mel Tucker and that Mel probably gave him the option to take a couple days off. I'm not saying that Mel told him, yeah, take the month off, you know, come back when you're ready. But I would guess that there was at least a conversation of, hey, if you want to take, you know, the next few days to kind of get your body back and, and you know, take a couple days to stretch out. And and uh, and and it sounds like Keon Coleman said, nope, F that I'm coming for a starting receiver position and and, you know, get the pads back on and he's ready to go. So that was pretty cool to see Keon Coleman back in in the Scandalera Center preparing for next season. Um but yeah, I you know, I was going back. Well, I want to, you know, kind of touch on these top two guys because, you know, it's something that sounds kind of obvious, but at the same time we we sometimes kind of skip over the obvious. Jaden Reed and Trey Mosley, I think could be a really really fun combination this year. I was just going back because uh right after the season ended, I had gone through basically every offensive uh touch that both of them had and I compiled like a little highlight tape just on my you know very poorly made highlight video Uh, I'm not really a video editor by any stretch of the imagination but it did give me a chance to basically watch every touch and just kind of remember through the that lens remember the seasons that they had and these two could be really fun together because Jaden Reed I don't think he gets enough credit for being a very well-rounded wide receiver, right? He gets a lot of credit for being that jitterbug, get the ball in his hands and get him in space and get him on the punt returns and stuff like that. But I mean, how many times last year did he just go up and moss somebody? I mean, how many times last year did he 
make a huge catch with, you know, with somebody draped all over him, um, whether it was over the middle, whether it was on the sideline, whether it was in the end zone, right? It, he really, really developed into a full rounded wide receiver where he can force double teams and, and he can force that coverage to roll over because, you know, he can beat anybody one-on-one, whether that's, you know, with just a quick route and then beating him after the catch or just straight up man-to-man, I'm Randy Moss and you, and there's nothing you can do about it. So having that true number one, I think is really good for, uh, for the passing game. And then Trey Mosley, you know, who I think is probably going to be the number two, he had a really good season and, you know, he's, he doesn't get enough credit, I think, for what he does after the catch. He's not one of those guys who, you know, quote unquote, turns into a running back after the catch. But I do think that, you know, he doesn't get enough credit. He's, he's got a little wiggle to him. He runs with some power behind his pads and you're not going to bring him down with arm tackles. And we know he's a really good route runner and we know he's got probably the best hands on the team in terms of I'm throwing it to you in your direction just catch the ball. Um, I think Trey Mosley's the best uh, on the team. And you remember that catch against Northwestern, which feels like it was three years ago by now, but that one-handed grab on the sideline, that was a true one-handed catch, never brought the second hand in, didn't need it. That's always pretty cool to see. So I I think those top two guys, it's got to be right up there with the top of the conference. Obviously, Ohio State's in their own stratosphere with their group, but the rest of the conference, I'm, I'd put Jaden Reed and Trey Mosley up there with just about anybody. Yeah, Jaden Reed, he plays with his body like Allen Robinson. And Allen Robinson's like, I don't know, 6'5", 2 something. Um, and he's six foot one eighty five. He does not play that way. You look at him lined up on the line of scrimmage, you're like, all right, this guy's trying to run like a, a hitch and go, you know, blow the top off the defense or get it underneath and make three guys miss like Tyreek Hill. But no, he, he does that and more. Um, some of the best one-on-one catches I've ever seen for a Michigan State receiver last year in terms of just lacking separation and finding a way to get his hands or some other body part on the ball and bring it down. <laughs> uh, sometimes I swear he doesn't even catch it with his hands. It just hits him and then he he reels it in. But um, yeah, and, and Trey Mosley, you mentioned it, best hands on the team. I watch most games with my fiance Aubrey and and she gave him the nickname lizard this year because you know, lizards they'll sit there and they throw their tongue out and anything that it touches, (laughs) it sticks. And that's what it's like watching him throw an arm out and the ball hits his hand. And it's like, it just, it's stuck on there. Like it's stuck like glue. I was, I was thinking of that Northwestern catch as well. Not only did he make a one handed catch, but he dove, he was at ground level. He went through contact with the ground and kept the ball in his hand um yeah so I, we gotta make that a thing i i love that so so cal halliday is the water boy that yep. was coined listeners know if you listen to the podcast you know we were first on the cal halliday water boy thing don't let anybody on twitter tell you otherwise and we will definitely be first on trey mosley as the lizard i i love that so we're we're gonna we're gonna stick with that one there you go. Lizard Mosley. Uh, yeah, I think it's going to be a, a breakout year for him. I would argue last year was a breakout year, but he was overshadowed. I mean, when Peyton Thorne was overshadowed and th- broke our record for passing touchdowns, you can bet our number two, three wide receiver was overshadowed. But when you look at his tape, I mean, the balls that did get thrown his way, he did some phenomenal things with. 
he was first or second on the team in receiving touchdowns, um, which is also very surprising. Just not, you know, just kind of feeling the vibes from last year. Uh, he scored a lot and I'll expect him to do that again. I think he'll be able to showcase a lot more of his game this year. Um, yeah, I'm excited to see him get some more looks. Yeah, and he's got, I mean, you just kind of run through the stats. He's got over 800 career yards. Like, he's got plenty of experience. He knows what he's doing out there and feels really comfortable against Big Ten defenses. So I, I'm excited to see what he can bring to the table. Um, besides those guys, you know, we we kind of mentioned Jeremy Bernard. We kind of mentioned Keon Coleman there. Again, we talked about him before, but Montori Foster, kind of that forgotten man in the receiving room, he stepped into the starting role when Jalen Naylor was out, right? When when Naylor goes down with an injury, we needed a third receiver in there. Uh, Montori Foster was the guy that they brought up. And, you know, he didn't end the season with a ton of, of stats, but he did end the season with three starts in 2021. Um Ended up with 10 catches for 141 yards in the second half of the season there. He had that long touchdown against Maryland on the the first play of the game or the first pass of the game. I can't remember. The flea flicker from from Peyton Thorne, the the staple flea flicker uh, of last season. But, you know, again, he he had that Odell Beckham one-handed grab in the snow against Penn State. And you kind of forget that Montori Foster didn't play a ton of football in high school. He was a basketball kid. And I was reading Colton Pouncey's article. He was doing the best basketball team of the football team, right? So if you took the starting five of a basketball team, but only from the football players, obviously you would have uh, Keon Coleman and Malik Carr on there. But Montori Foster was a guy, I guess, up in Minnesota, uh, or no, sorry, this I'm thinking of uh, Lockett. Uh, so quick side note, Terry Lockett. Did you read this article? Because apparently Terry Lockett has played with or against like Chet Holmgren and like yeah. eight different NBA type of guys. Well, you know who else was, was like... on that team uh, up in Minnesota was Chase Carter, the incoming defensive right, end. Yeah. They were buddies. Um, and actually, I think Terry Lockett helped recruit Carter to Michigan State. Carter was also... Uh, a pretty solid basketball player in his own right. But yeah, I did read the article. Yeah. So I mentioned in there though, was that Montori Foster was also a big basketball player and he really didn't start playing football until I think his junior season. So, you know, he was, you know, he's a guy who just doesn't have a ton of experience and for him to be on the field in all seven games of the 2020 season as a true freshman with like a year of football under his belt and then come into last season as a true sophomore and start three games when Jalen Naylor goes down again in what his third season, fourth season of football in his life. Uh, The upside is huge there. Six foot can jump out of the gym really good soft hands as we've seen this year. So Montori Foster, again, just that reminder, this is a guy you don't want to forget about because if he goes out there and, and, and he turns the TV with one and, and Montori Foster starting on the outside, I wouldn't be too shocked, right? It, it wouldn't totally catch me off guard there. So Montori Foster, a name that you certainly can't forget about. Terry Lockett, we just mentioned there, you know, he's been kind of that, that fourth or fifth guy that's just trying to break through and trying to break through. Maybe this is his off season. 
Um, we we kind of mentioned quickly, but Christian Fitzpatrick is a guy who transferred in last season, was one of the like 28 guys. Uh, he transferred in from Louisville, six foot four, 205 pounds. He played less than 100 snaps last year, but he was on the field for uh, 11 games last season. So he was a guy they tried to get involved a little bit. Um, so there is some depth there. There is some some interesting pieces that uh, that I think we can't totally count out in the rotation. Yeah, and then you've got, I mean, this is a spring practice preview, but you've got the mix in the fall as well. Uh, some incoming kids who, again, just because they're not going to be on campus until July, August, probably won't make a huge impact this season. But great crop of receivers. We talked about Jeremy Bernard already, but Antonio Gates Jr., Tyrell Henry, Jerron Glover were all exceptional high school players. Um, and and I think we've talked about it probably every other episode all offseason, but I think this wide receiver group is going to be one of our deepest groups for years. Uh, credit to what Courtney Hawkins is doing, something about the way that he coaches, the way that he recruits, uh, just the way that he carries himself is attracting some really, really elite talent. Um, we hopefully we'll have the quarterbacks, the talent at quarterback for years to come as well, to keep them around and keep guys wanting to come to Michigan state and, and catch throws from our pass. Well, I was going to say pass catchers from our quarterbacks, <laughs> from um, the pass maybe, throwers, <laughs> maybe the pass catchers will be throwing, throwing some good. I don't know. Maybe we'll have some, some trickery, you know, Jay Johnson's not afraid of it, but uh, yeah, this group is going to be good this year and they're going to be good for years to come. So then you look over, you know, we're talking just kind of pass catchers here and the tight ends are obviously a big part of that. And one of the key pieces of this pass catching group next year that I believe will be one of the key pieces, at least Daniel Barker transfer from Illinois, um, who's got some serious juice to him and also has some awesome touchdown celebrations. If you go on YouTube, there's a couple like highlight tapes of him, but, uh, phenomenal touchdown celebrations. So make sure you check that out. But he is not on campus right now. He is not on campus for the spring. He'll be there for fall camp. But maybe this is a chance for Malik Carr to kind of take over the team. He was actually practicing with the football team while the basketball season was still going on. You know, I think because Keon Coleman had somewhat of a bench role-ish on the team, uh, on the basketball team. He was a bit more focused on basketball, but I think Malik Carr kind of realized what his place was on the basketball team, and that was a scout guy, and that's it. And he was like, all right, well, I guess I'm just going to you know, keep focusing on football, and I'll travel with the basketball team, but uh, you know, I'm a football player. So Malik Carr's been there. He's been at practice you know, up to this point and will be through the whole spring, and Maybe he takes this chance to say, you know what? Hey, you brought in a transfer at tight end. That's cool, but this is my team, and and I'm going to take over this spot. We kind of talked about this with the running backs and what could be kind of the psychology behind spring practice, and and maybe Malik Carr really takes this spring to heart and says, you know what? You brought in a guy. That's cool, but I'm going to show you by the end of this spring that you didn't really need him, and hey, you just brought in a backup as a transfer, so that's cool. Um, That's certainly possible because the flashes we saw from Malik Carr were pretty special. Uh, And the thing that really stood out to me that I didn't expect, 
I expected a big body who could jump, who, you know, had that kind of physicality. I did not expect the burst that he has, right? And it's not the first 10 yards that that really catch you. It's what NFL scouts will call the flying 20. It's like from from 20 to 40 yards or from 10 to 30. Like once you kind of start getting going to getting to top speed. The long speed, yeah. Really caught me off guard with Malik Carr because he had a couple of those tight end screens where he mm-hmm. takes a couple steps, he gets through and he, he broke free and just like split the safeties and, and cut off passing angles or cut off uh, tackling angles. And that really caught me off guard. Malik Carr can run. Yeah. Yeah. Those tunnel screens, Jay Johnson loves him and and Malik Carr is built for him. So uh, good hands too, for a big guy like that. Uh, He made a couple catches that were not thrown perfectly. And Peyton Thorne, he, in his first couple years has kind of had a tendency to, uh, to throw the ball way too hard at guys who are, are a little too close to him. Malik Carr made some great adjustments, good hands, which obviously bodes well coming out of Connor Hayward's uh, hands of an angel. Um, yeah, this tight end group is going to be really interesting. I think Daniel Barker, while he may not be on campus yet, I mean, he's been in college playing for a long time, so I expect that integration will be pretty quick, uh, and he should be in the mix right at the beginning of the season uh, for snaps. And then you've got uh, Tyler Hunt, who is a sixth year at this point. He's still with the team. Uh, I think he's kind of probably reached his ceiling, but it's a serviceable ceiling. It's a ceiling that will get him on the field. It will continue to get him on the field, whether that's just a package guy or they need to spell. I don't think he'll be starting unless God forbid we see some injuries. Um, but another special teams guy as well. He's just, he's a hustler. He's a coach's kind of player. Um, and he's, he'll certainly find the field. I, I think those three will probably soak up 95 to 100 percent of snaps this season at the tight end could, spot but could be the backup quarterback to tyler hunt if you remember that throw to peyton thorne everybody talks about yeah. the catch that thorne made on the sideline that was a hell of a toss there by tyler hunt only because it worked i'm sure every coach <laughs> in the stadium was ready to throw him off the team when that ball went in the air because he was off his, his back, back foot, foot. <laughs> i think he was off the ground entirely getting hit Throwing it with his off hand, remember, because he's left-handed and yeah. he threw it with his right hand. Uh, That's a yeah, throw no. that if your starting quarterback is like an all-conference player, if he makes that throw, the coach is yelling at him in the film room. So when your tight end makes that throw, you can bet your ass that Jay Johnson was in that film room just that was, telling was him, simultaneously, I to you, <laughs> do not think this is going to work again. One of the best plays in one of the biggest football bloopers you'll ever see all wrapped up in one beautiful little treasure. Uh, I I still have no idea how that worked. And you could see it set in on the opponents. Like as soon as that ball came down to Peyton Thorne, everybody, because I think Thorne caught it on the opponent's sideline, if I remember correctly, and everyone just the life just <laughs> fell out of them. Uh, but yeah, so those three guys. And then um, you've got Power Warren, Powers Warren, Great name. Uh, Adam Berghorst, baseball, football guy, big guy. Uh, Jackson Morse and Evan Morris. I don't really expect much from them. Jack Nickel coming in, true freshman on campus. You mentioned Michael Masunas also coming in as a true freshman, but not on campus yet. If some dominoes fall the right direction, you could see Jack Nickel on the field, certainly maybe in a, in a special teams role. Uh, but maybe 
you know, you get into some garbage time. There, there might be some situations where he gets some snaps. He is, he's a really prominent uh, young player on this team. I think he, he should be the tight end of the future in this program, just watching his tape. Um, well, the, the thing too with, with Nickel is probably the biggest selling point on him as a recruit is that he was really, you know, kind of that quote unquote pro ready, like college guy or quote unquote college ready high school guy. Like he was a really good blocker. He kind of played in like a pro style offense. He's athletic enough. So like his game will translate really well. It's just a matter of is his body ready for the, that big 10 defense. But when you're on the field in the spring and you have that leg up to, to get in the weight room with the college weight program and everything uh, that could make a huge difference. And yeah, I, I really liked his tape. So if Jack Nickel got on the field, it certainly wouldn't surprise me. And just as a little side note here, that's why coaches preach intensity at practice so much. And you can see it even more under Mel Tucker. He wants every practice snap to feel like a game snap. So you're not wasting that first season for your freshman getting up to speed with the way that things are played in the Big Ten. I don't think it's really possible to ever fully simulate uh, game snaps in practice. I just think there's that extra edge to them when there's that much on the line. But every coach will tell you their their goal is to simulate a game as close as possible in practice. And being on campus, like you said, for spring practice for a guy like that, where he's going to be taking the hits, he's going to be trying to block our guys. Jeff Petrovsky's going to put him in a in a meat grinder. Uh, I, I wish we had a bigger defensive end to throw. I know. I was going to say, <laughs> uh, to have like a William Golston or yeah, something, just, just some intimidating polarizing. guy. I, but, I played yeah, defensive our, end our in high school. And I was six under- foot flat guy. That's he's our intimidator. I was an undersized scout team defensive end in high school. And we had a, a practice where they were teaching. We had this, offensive guard who just didn't know right from left in the playbook and they just like basically took half a practice and they're like we're gonna get you to figure out how to pull and (laughs) i was the guy he was pulling on and i just it was awful i just for half a practice took hit after hit after hit but i got really used to the physicality uh that was expected at that position um and i think that's kind of probably what tyler hunt's gonna get not tyler hunt jack nickel excuse me is gonna get this spring but I have a balls. I have a quick story on that note that ties into Michigan State and ties into possibly one of our listeners. So Dave Racy, if you are listening, uh, he was he, I played high school with him, a uh, good friend, and he he was one of the sophomores that got brought up to varsity for the playoffs, which was a really big deal. At C, I went to Detroit Catholic Central at CC. That was a big deal. If you got brought up for playoffs, that meant the varsity coaches had their eye on you and and you could be a starter as a junior, right? And so he was playing corner in practice and they were running a drill. It was a toss sweep. And the, the drill was that the corner had to take on the fullback who was blocking. And the fullback at the time, if you are a diehard Michigan State fan, you will remember the name Nico Palazzetti who was a starting fullback for a couple years at Michigan State uh, before he dealt with a ton of injuries. He is now one of the strength coaches at Ohio State. The dude was just a monster. I mean, like 
probably 5'11", 240, <laughs> just had the neck roll. And so poor Dave is out there just getting pummeled by one of the biggest, baddest dudes in the state. It was just hilarious hearing him recount the tales the next day. Everything's coming full circle on the pod. Nico Palazzetti, either his brother or his cousin, Vinny, was a great childhood friend of my fiance Aubrey in Owasso, Michigan. So we are just we we're completing our circles. D'Antonio, the most proud. Italian sounding names of all oh, time, yeah. Nico and Vinny Palazzetti. <laughs> there you go. All right. So I think, I think that's a good note to end this thing on. I don't know how much more productive we're going to get at this no. point. So We've completed all our circles <laughs> for this Thursday night. So yeah, there, there we go. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, it's a Friday release pod. It's a Thursday night, so we can get a little loose with this. But um, yeah, make sure if if you haven't listened already, the running backs and the quarterbacks are already up in the podcast feed today here, obviously going through the, the, the receivers and tight ends. Next week, we will start getting into the offensive line and, and man, there's a lot of storylines there. So make sure you're subscribed. Uh, as we mentioned, we're going to keep teasing this thing until we're ready to really unveil it. There is a giveaway coming up, and the first requirement, the first thing that needs to be done if you want to be a part of this, and I promise this is something that is actually worth real money. Um, It's not just an appearance on the podcast or something, so it's something you're going to be interested in. Uh, But the first requirement, you got to be subscribed. So if you're listening, make sure you're subscribed to the podcast. Um, It makes sure that... uh, Number one, you can get in on this contest. And number two, you can get in on all of our great content every week throughout the whole off season. So hope you guys are enjoying. Make sure you're following on Twitter. Make sure you're following the Facebook group as well. Those links are in the show notes as well as the DraftKings uh, rules and, and regulations there. And uh, yeah, we've got some basketball here tipping off in uh, about 20 minutes. So yeah. go Cats. And uh, anything else here, Scott, before we get out of here? One quick correction. I looked, I fact-checked myself. Traylon Mosley did not score a lot of touchdowns this year. He had three receiving touchdowns. So He had a couple two-point conversions, though. He had one against Michigan. Yeah. All right. So that's why you can't trust everything you hear on the podcast. You see on the internet, look up your own facts. Uh, When I record after work, I don't have as much time to prep, so... Hope you'll give me a pass on this one. But. We'll just go back and edit it, even though I actually won't do this, but I'll just go back and edit it into saying like he was in the end zone many times. Maybe that because I know for there sure he had at least two two point conversions. Just dub so. the Siri voice right over me. Yeah, It'll yeah. be flawless. <laughs> yeah, I don't have that kind of power or time or energy, so we're just going to leave it. Um, so hope everybody has a good weekend. We'll talk to you guys on Monday. Until then, go green. Go white. Take care, folks.